Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Syrup Arcade Cast Mobile Syrup and Syrup Arcades Gaming Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dean Daly, and I'm here with the pod's other host, Brad Shankar. How are you doing today, Brad? Pretty good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Uh, last week I asked you, or our last podcast I asked you about the D&D movie, if you were excited to watch it. Um, now that you've seen it, uh, thoughts? Uh, I loved it. Uh, I'm like Like we said, I'm not really someone who knows anything about D&D. I've literally never played it. So I was going in from like the complete newcomer perspective. Um, I was just someone who knew the the, pre- the directors, their previous movie, Game Night, was like hilarious. So that was really the only frame of reference I had going in. And it really had a lot of that humor and energy uh, as well in the new D&D movie. So yeah, I thought it was great. Loved the cast, the humor, the fantasy. Uh, the action was surprisingly good considering they'd like never done a movie of that budget before. Um, yeah, I loved it, honestly. And I think you you were laughing louder than anyone in the theater, I would say. Yeah, I loved it, too. It was so good. I was just on CBC about it. Or I guess, yeah, I was just on CBC about it. And uh, I just loved sharing like, how fun it was. It was such a fun movie. Uh, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. The necromancer scene was killed me. With the, everything with the graveyard and the, the talking. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a great scene. I plan on watching it again when it comes out, actually comes out. Um, or I guess when this post, when this pod is released, it will be out. But yeah, uh, such a good movie. If you're listening to this, you should watch it. Uh, moving on from that, though, we just have our special guest sitting and listening to us talk about this movie that she hasn't seen. Um, but <laughs> our very special guest today is Rose Bahar, a previous senior editor for Mobile Syrup, who now works as a game narrative designer at Super Blooms Games, where she's working on a new mobile lifestyle game. I hope that is right. Could I just copy it and pasted it from your LinkedIn? Uh, how are you today, Rose? Absolutely <laughs> correct. Absolutely Perfect. correct. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see your wonderful, beautiful faces. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I think it's the first time you two have seen each other, I guess, like face-to-face in a couple of years, probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time, and, and I think it, we had a bit of a feud going on, me and Brad, so this is kind of <laughs> really the first time that we're, we're coming together and we're, you know, mano a mano. <laughs> just kidding i don't even brad and i yeah i was gonna say what are you talking about very close <laughs> brad no, brad is impossible has... i don't think anybody could have a feud with you we've had a lot of people come and go through mobile syrup over the years since uh you left and you were always one of my favorites i i, I say to dean it's kind of like the telecom reporter role that you were sort of like originating it's kind of like the defense against the dark arts teacher role in the Harry Potter franchise <laughs> where it's like, it's a constantly rotating. We've had like 10 people since, um, and none have ever quite lived up to you. I don't think, but 
Fred, I'm so touched. I love that. He literally says that all the time and always highlights his his favorite that you were his favorite. Um, and that's such a common uh, rhetoric. I hope I hope to the new person, to the new telecom person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no disrespect to, to current. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, get into our topic. Actually, no, before that, let's ask Rose, how have you been as a narrative designer? How has that been? Uh, that's such a different uh, lifestyle to, you know, writing telecom news. Uh, can you tell us about it? Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. I think both of you saw me at the beginning of wanting to make that career shift. So I was a telecom reporter until I was in my mid, almost late 20s. And uh, I, I really knew I wanted to be a creative writer and I was becoming increasingly convinced that I wanted to be a games writer because of the uh, amount of innovation and experimentation that's possible in that field. And so uh, my first step towards it when I did leave Mobile Syrup and I stopped freelancing was getting a QA job, um, quality assurance testing job with a very narrative-driven mobile game. And this is how a lot of people get into the business is they have to go through testing or be a tester at some point. Like that's if you really want to get into games and you want to start at the the bottom rung of the ladder, that's where you go. And then uh, from there, you know, you get the crappy pay and you get the lack of respect and you just kind of like, you know, got to work through it. And through other QA people I had worked with, people that I started to make connections with, I um, was able to get my first game design job uh, several years, maybe two, two or so years after the QA job. And that was at another mobile studio, Jam City. And uh, we got laid off, which is another thing that happens very regularly in the games industry. Um, but thankfully, when we did get laid, laid off, uh, my current employer saw the opportunity that I had, or they, they saw the value that I had writing experience as well as game design experience. And, uh, and they offered me this game narrative designer position. So really amazing. It's very hard to get into this industry. Um, I think everybody knows that. So it always feels lucky and you always feel very blessed and privileged when you actually make it to some sort of creative position within the industry. Uh, and there's still a lot of work to be done to like make it easier to get into. Uh, but yeah, long-winded answer. I think I just went off on a tangent. Hopefully it was good. No, it was good. It was good. And how is this being in this industry as a woman and with this industry industry so dominated by men? Yeah. Um, to be fair, the industry that I was in with you guys was also very dominated by men as well, fair. which is tech journalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, very fair. but, you know, having said that, so that it's been a, most of a career spent in that kind of industry when I actually shifted over to games, and this is a very unusual experience, I started working on more women-dominated teams, and I have ever since. So ironically, perhaps, 
after I stopped being a tech journalist, I never really had that experience again of being the only woman on the team or one of the very few. Um, after that, I have had, I believe, only uh, women managers, which is really like unusual. And again, been on teams where it's mostly women. And these are games that are more targeted towards the female demographic. So they're mobile games, casual games, um, design related, uh, or story driven. And, uh, a lot of people will look down on their, look down on those kind of games. Um, but I obviously see a lot of value in them. And, uh, to me, it is actually something I'm kind of passionate about. I don't know if you guys remember like the flash, well, of course you do the flash game era, right. Where you're playing flash games on your browser um, that was one thing that really got me into games when we didn't really have much access to other things. Like we often just had to go to the, like the library as a, as a kid to like play games. And a lot of it was flash games. And I like that there's that still that sort of same mentality with mobile games, which is these are like incredibly accessible in that they're free and usually like anybody would have access to them because most people have smartphones at this point or their parents have smartphones. So I see a lot of value in the area, even though it doesn't necessarily get a lot of respect um, from the broader industry. Yeah. And that was my answer to what is it like being a woman in games? But basically my answer is you can be a woman in games in the mobile industry and find yourself surrounded by other women in games. And that's my particular experience. No, that's uh, really great. I think that's very good for uh, a lot of other women to know. Uh, if they fear being in an industry that's only men, they, they know there are safe spaces where in mobile gaming, at least, uh, which is great. But speaking of uh, safe spaces, I guess, uh, Rose, uh, you, you, how was GDC this year? Um, I, I know you were there, right, from my understanding? Yeah, I went down to GDC, and um, I had a great time, personally. And I think that's, like, the experience of a lot of women and people who went there. Uh, I say women specifically because um, what happened at GDC this year was that shortly, as it was ending, shortly after, it came out that many... Uh, or several at least, women had been roofied. I think it was more than one. And there was also an instance of uh, somebody like being lured to a hotel room on the like under the intentions of like pitch or like they, they were indicated that they were going to pitch their game, but it ended up being more of a sort of overture that was creepy. Um, so there was a lot of sad, sad things that came out. And um, all I, what I mostly have to say about that is that it's just really disheartening that it's still a really scary place. I have found my feet with uh, people that I now find safe and comfortable. I spent most of my GDC with those people. But when I was younger, um, you, you're so much more uh, vulnerable especially when you're alone, you don't know what's going on, you're in a new city. And 
it's just, uh, it's a really terrible experience. At the same time, we can't tell women not to go to GDC, right? Because it's still where you find opportunities and it's still where you find jobs, like no matter how scary it might be. So what we have to do is, you know, make things better. And I have a, I have a, a friend and associate here in like New York, E.E. Zhang, who like said some really interesting things about how a lot of the like issues happened with game studios partnering with bigger corporations and some of the bigger corporations not taking the steps that they needed to make these events safe. So that's basically what I'll, I'll say on that. Brad, did you have any thoughts? Well, I, I was just going to say um, GDC is the Game Developers Conference for people who don't oh, know. Yeah. Um, I was just wanting to give a brief intro to yes. it before you started. So, but then you you had a very great uh, point there, so I didn't want to interrupt. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, no. so for anybody who doesn't know, it is a big conference for within the industry. Um, I don't know how much like news comes out of it. Like, Do you keep an eye on it, Brad, when you're when yeah. GDC? Historically, Stadia, the reveal of Google Stadia, which died a few months ago, the Google's game streaming service, that was really the only big news that ever came out of GDC in the last several years. Like Google actually flew me to that to cover it. So that was a pretty big deal. But yeah, historically, it's it's mostly like a an inside baseball sort of thing for developers to kind of share their wealth of knowledge. And, you know, here's how we made the axe in God of War and maybe other action developers can can take note of how to learn. So it's a, it's a very good experience for developers in that sense. But, you know, just to add on to what you were saying, you know, I was listening to a few podcasts. Uh, one of my favorites is Play, Watch, Listen, which is uh, a bunch of people in the industry. Mike Bithel, a game developer. Alana Pierce, who's a games writer. Troy Baker, who's an actor. And um, Austin Wintry, who's a composer. So they all have different kind of uh, backgrounds in the gaming industry. And, you know, they were talking about GDC and how, you know, there is a very big, like, alcohol um like sort of culture surrounding it where like you're kind of being pressured to have drinks and you know they're even kind of like mike doesn't drink and he just goes for a coke and then they look at him like why aren't you having a drink and same with alana she like doesn't want to drink around that and then you know they're kind of like pressuring you to have drinks and so that kind of just adds on to the what you're talking about the the fear of you know someone doing something to your drink like roofing you or whatever you know that's sort of the, the kind of pressure that that is being created there yeah. right that's so true. I, I think like, unfortunately, or fortunately, there, I mean, it depends on how you look at it, but it's such a networking event. And so there's so many events in the evening, and so many of them take place at the at clubs or bars. And I think it is a really difficult situation for people who don't drink. Um, but I do think like, we sh that solution is probably not to make these events dry, but to like focus on the, the core root issue of, of the, you know, predators that do make it into these circles, because I think regardless, they would be dangerous to, you know, young women. So, but I hear you. I think there's too much, there's certainly too much of a reliance on booze in these kind of networking events as well even tech events there's a huge reliance on uh, booze as well um i, I guess uh, there's just less women there um so there's <laughs> less predatoring happening um i do think i or I, I have heard but like gossip around some predatory stuff 
even at tech events though. Um, but uh, it's I don't I don't know for sure or anything. I just I just heard this gossip before. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah, there's got to be a way to fix this. And I don't know it, but there there has to, I don't know what's the solution, but I think there has to be a way. There is. And I think the good thing is that we have so many resources for fixing it. And, and that's when, you know, people throw up their hands. It's, it's, uh, it's, I always think, you know what, there's a lot of brilliant women who have proposals for how to make things safer. And um, I did just mention one, E.E. Zong, who like does a lot of things here in New York, but like there's just, they're all over the place. And if they're properly consulted, um, things can be super transformative. So I think like, you know, that's what I would recommend to GDC is get those consultants and those people who are really concerned about this stuff and make it a priority. And we could really see some change. And I would love that. Uh, moving on from this tough topic, though, um, our conversation today is focused on women. Uh, so let's talk about some of the women behind video games. Uh, and then after that, we'll talk about women in video games. Uh, Rose, do you want to lead us off? Yeah. When you mentioned this topic of women in games, it just made me think of some of the women that really inspired me. One of them going way back to the beginning being Roberta Williams, who Brad is shaking his head or nodding his head. He knows, you know, like co-founded Sierra Online with her husband and was credited as being like the first creator of a, a graphic adventure game. So, you know, I think she's known as like the queen or the mom of adventure games. And y'all know me. I love an adventure game. So... <laughs> I, when I actually learned that a woman was behind one of the first graphic adventure games, it was immensely like gratifying and inspiring to know. And, uh, and, I, and I think it's not necessarily common knowledge either. So it's really wonderful to like pay tribute to these trailblazers and remember that like it's not a new thing for women to be in games. Like women are nerds too. <laughs> you know, we also like to spend too much time on our computers and not get any sunlight. Uh, not saying that's Roberta's experience, but you know. Um, and then there's also I wanted to shout out one of my personal faves, who is Megan Geyser. She's also an adventure games uh, icon because she was the person who brought the really like popular Nancy Drew adventure game, PC game, a series uh, to the world when publishers thought that it was not going to have a big enough audience uh, to make it. They thought like, well, just a, a kind of, you know, this Nancy Drew thing is so targeted at girls. Like, I don't know if we're, if this is worth even making. And she really had to fight to produce it. And it ended up being really successful. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's very nice to see that the, you know, these demographics, more marginalized demographics, once they are represented, there are these beautiful success stories. And it's important to push past the 
Well, I don't know if the money case makes sense. You won't know if the money makes sense until you really properly give it a go with an amazing game. So yeah, that's who I wanted to shout out. Uh, Brad, do you have any shout outs? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, to, to echo Rose's point, you know, uh, how there have been women in the industry for decades and a lot of them don't get the credit. I mean, one of mine is Kazuko Shibuya. She was the only person at Square Enix, actually, who was on, who's still there, who was on the original Final Fantasy development team 35 years ago. So she actually was the pixel artist responsible for those like iconic sprite work. Um, a lot of the like menu design, a lot of the UI stuff, that was all her. Um, so she was really pivotal, pivotal in in sort of bringing the look and feel of Final Fantasy to life. Um, and for years, she didn't really get credit for that. I mean, we give a lot of credit to, you know, the creator, or the director, or the composer, or even uh, the character designer Yoshitaka Amano, who's like famous for drawing all these beautiful art. But you know, it was uh, Kazuko's work in sort of taking his art and making it translate to sprites. Right? You know, we have very limited. Um, resources on the NES, SNES. Um, so, and she actually came back for like the Pixel remasters that they just did um, that came out on mobile and uh, PC uh, to kind of update the sprites. So that's kind of like a nice way of full circle moment. But yeah, she's the only person who worked on the original game 35 plus years ago and she's still at Square Enix. So I think that's awesome. Uh, and I'll, you mentioned adventure games. I'll kind of pivot to like action adventure. I mean, Amy Hennig, um, is the creator of Uncharted, uh, which a lot of people I don't think realize. You know, we give a lot of credit to Naughty Dog right now for The Last of Us and Neil Druckmann and all of that, but like, we wouldn't have The Last of Us without Uncharted, and that all came down to Amy Hennig because that the sort of like modern AAA action adventure, big budget sort of cinematic game, like Uncharted was basically the, you know, the start of all that um, from way back from 2007. That sort of like spearheaded the modern sort of AAA blockbuster and. That was her like she was the writer she was the director she did the first three games uh and now she's at um skydance working uh, overseeing marvel and star wars stuff which is pretty cool um that they're working on there so uh but yeah i mean she did basically spearheaded a whole sort of genre of games uh and i'll just give a third shout out um uh yoko shimamura she's my second favorite composer in the gaming industry after only nobuo uematsu you know she's a composer of kingdom hearts street fighter Bunch of Mario games, Live Alive, Xenoblade, uh, Mario Rabbids, uh, so many games uh, she's composed to. Like her music is incredible. Uh, you know, again, we don't see a lot of uh, women composers in the industry either. Uh, certainly not the decades since that she's been doing it. And you know, my like emo phase in, in my teenage years, but a lot of time spent listening to her music. So um, those are definitely my the three that I would shout out. Cool. Uh, thanks, Brad. I uh, don't have three uh, women to shout out uh, because I don't know, I'm not the type of person who really knows a lot about developers and what's going on in the back. I, I'm very front facing, um, but I did host a diversity uh, and gaming series. And one of the people I spoke to was Kate Rayner, uh, who is a trans woman uh, for the Vancouver's Coalition for Gears 5. I just wanted to shout her out because I feel like, uh, especially now, there's a lot of things going on with the LGBTQI community, and I feel like they don't really get a lot of like representation or people not really paying them any mind. Um, so I wanted to give her a shout out, and it's cool that she's working on a in a Canadian game studio as well, um, which I love. 
Well, and fun fact with that is they've been doing a lot of work with Unreal um, in the last few years since Gears 5 came out uh, with Epic. They, uh, the coalition actually helped make that really cool photorealistic Matrix demo with Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss that they re released on PS5 and Xbox, uh, I think, two years ago. Um, so that was like partially made in Canada by her team. She, they helped with that. So I didn't know that. That's actually really cool. That uh, is very cool. I'm learning so much right now. <laughs> yeah, Brad is just a wealth of information. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know. Great. He truly is. <laughs> uh, uh, also, uh, just kind of like a callback. Uh, last month, we did speak to another woman developer, um, a uh, black woman developer. We spoke to Indigo Doyle. Um, so if you want to hear from another woman developer, just head back a couple of episodes ago i believe it was our episode of the zero cast uh four uh as we're currently on six uh, yeah i i mean both brad and i have definitely interviewed a lot of women i think brad more so than i have uh, but we've interviewed a lot of women in gaming um so if you guys ever want to learn more about some of the women behind gaming uh definitely check out a lot of our articles uh I have a whole series about why we need more diversity in gamings and a lot of that focused on um, women in gaming. And I can't recall any of Brad's articles at the top of my head. So Brad, you want to shout out some of your articles that uh, interviewed any women? Uh, sure. I mean, my most recent Canadian developer interview was with um, Rocket Adrift, a Toronto-based studio. It's a three-person team. Uh, one um, a trans woman, another woman, and a man. Uh, so it's primor primarily a, a women-led team. Uh, they're working on a game about a non-binary character. Uh, it's like a cyberpunk horror game. They actually just won uh, an award from Ubisoft, like funding from Ubisoft Toronto for that. So that's the game's called Psychroma. So that was my most recent piece. Also give a shout out to, it was a book I read a few, I think it came out last summer. Um, it's called Gamer Girls, 25 Women Who Built the Video Game Industry. I actually did a brief piece on it. It's written by Mary Kenny, who works at Insomniac. She worked on Miles Morales, and she's working on the Wolverine game right now. And so she basically did a lot of research and did interviews with, yeah, 25 women, women in the industry from all different roles. You know, someone who worked on Gone Home, you know, some of the people we mentioned, you know, Roberta Williams, Yoko Shimomura, Amy Hennig, uh, a bunch of people. Um, so that was just a nice sort of spotlight Um and it's sort of approached as like an all ages sort of thing. So it's really great for, for young girls as well to sort of get that visibility of people in the industry. Uh, I think that's a great piece for, a great place to look for anyone really who's interested in uh, this topic. And uh, we also have a tech effect episode just focused on women in, or focused on diversity in gaming, which again, focuses on women. Um, so that it will be coming up in the future, I believe in April or May. Uh, Rose, it looks Amazing. like you something to say. Oh. <laughs> I just feel so heartwarmed. We're talking about all of these cool, amazing women and femme presenting people. And it's just like, wow. I mean, it's very nice to be able to feel this way. So um, I thank you for, for making this the focus because I think, yeah, it can often get lost. And when you're actually at an event, say JD GDC, and you are like the only woman in a sea of, of uh guy developers it feels quite isolating but to sort of talk about this community is just really heartwarming and exciting 
uh, I love that. I'm happy that you feel heartwarmed by our conversation topic, and I'm very happy that you can join us. Uh, but of course, we still have more to go. Um, so one of the fun uh, parts of this podcast, I guess, is just the sh- some highlights of some um, badass women in in video games uh, that people can, I mean, people can look up to developers as well. Um, but I feel like for me in games, it's like I look up to seeing someone like Miles Morales in a game, and I just love that. Uh, and there is plenty of women in games, and I want to shout out some of our favorites. Um, so this time I'm gonna start off with uh, Mobile Syrup's number one gamer, Brad. Don't we want to let Rose take it away first? I mean, I'll, I'll let Rose take it away last time. I don't know. We can we can let <laughs> Rose take it away if we want. I'm, sure. I'm happy to. <laughs> I, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm I'm actually like really curious to see, and I don't want to repeat in case Rose has one that I might have mentioned. All right, Rose, you, you know, got this, I guess. I don't. I don't think that I will because I think my main focus, and I know I already mentioned this a little bit earlier, but what really made me get into games was this Nancy Drew series of games, mm-hmm. and well, I can talk more about the main character, Nancy Drew. She was something that I didn't frequently see in media, period, which was an incredibly capable woman, like young woman. She could fly a helicopter. She could work at a museum. She could, um, you know, like do she had all of this diverse range of skills um, and she was super humble, super matter of fact about it. There wasn't even any sort of stereotyping where it's like you know, kind of Elwood style, like she's ditzy, but she's actually brilliant. It wasn't even that. It was just, this is just a very capable woman. Like, and I will never forget how much of an effect that had on me because the series of games, they all focused on different locations and they were also somewhat educational. You would like learn about the ancient Mayans or Harry Houdini or something like that. And um, it really like, it was no joke. I remember writing in my diary, like, how can I be more like Nancy Drew? I need to, you know, <laughs> get these different skills. And, you know, by the time I'm an adult, I do not have half of the survival skills that she has. But I do think that that attitude of I can do this and, uh, you know, feeling like anything is possible definitely did carry through. So that just has an, I just a forever, like really uh, deep spot in my heart. I don't know if that's a saying deep spot in my heart. We're going to go with it, but yeah. And uh, you know, since then I have played a lot of amazing women characters in games. Uh, I think some of them that I could shout out would be like, the I don't know if either of you guys played Paradise Killer, but it's something that I always talk about um, because it's such a strange and unique game. It's kind of like style is sort of Japanese vaporwave. It's story mm. just throws you into like the murder of some gods in this kind of bizarre land. And you play as a, a private investigator who's trying to figure out like who killed the gods and um yeah, so I'm always just a sucker for any badass woman who's solving a crime. That generally will do it for me. Uh, and I think 
Another thing that I found kind of interesting in terms of characters that really stand out to me uh, is the work that's done by um, the studio that created Fran Bow and uh, Little Little Misfortune. Um, so this is an indie studio and it's run by a like husband wife team. So again, representation here. I think the wife, uh, is really, uh, does most of the writing and the like, um, and the designing and she's created like these really fascinating short, like fairly short horror games, uh, the kind of center on, young girls experiencing really difficult things and if that sounds bad to you yeah it is kind of intense you know so definite trigger warning but I think it's something you see very rarely is like these kind of more intense experiences of girlhood that are often portrayed if they are at all in mainstream games portrayed as just a plot point like ah, oh, my daughter died and that's why I'm messed up but very rarely taken from the experience of the young girl who's having the terrible experience herself if that makes sense uh so i just think it's very kind of it's really interesting it's really unique within the world of games and uh they're they are themselves little adorable badasses so that's another thing i suggest thank you these sounds like very uh, unique suggestions. I, I don't think these were on Brad's list. I, I doubt it. And they were definitely no, not on mine. <laughs> uh, uh, Brad, you want to go now? Sure, yeah. Um, I guess uh, I'll, I'll start with an indie game. I mean, I think Gone Home is a really good one um, that we were talking, that I mentioned briefly. You know, it, it is a little tainted right now, unfortunately, because the creator was, you know, uh, the lead direct um, on that game was, you know, outed as a very abusive person. So I, I can't not acknowledge that but you know there were some other women on that team and i think the, the core story is the one that resonates and it's sort of it for people who don't know it's, it's like an adventure game where you're in a in a house and you're just sort of piecing together like your family's gone you're piecing together what happened it has a very sort of like horror overtone and initially where you're like did something bad happen here but then you realize it's actually no um it's it's like a coming of age story coming out story where like your sister um fell in love with another girl and, and basically uh, they ran away together. And it was, it's like a very touching sort of story. And it came out, you know, in 2013, like years before we sort of started seeing those stories in a prominent way. Uh, like even like the last of us only sort of like hinted at uh, Ellie's sexuality initially. Um, but like, this was, this was a very like out outward um, story with LGBTQ uh, theme uh, themes. Right. And it was a very like interesting way as well of telling a story where it's through the environment. It's like narratives, uh, environmental storytelling where you're piecing things together without actually ever technically seeing the characters. Like there's some voiceover and there's some items or whatever, but it's a very like sort of compelling way of telling the story. So I thought that was- uh, I love really... that game. I love that game. And also I think it scared me more than any like more overt horror game. There was just <laughs> yeah, something you don't about know. it. Yeah. You don't know what's going on here at first. Yeah. And then, and, and uh, it's also like a two hour game, which I love because, uh, you know, people get so upset about that nowadays, but you know, I've, I've ranted about it many times. Games are too long and budgets are too big and I'm, I'm happy to get small, tight experiences like that. Um, I will give a shout out as well. I mean, I have to final fantasy is my favorite series. So uh, there's several games in the series. I'll give a quick shout out to six. Um, 
that's a game that doesn't really have a main character. It's just a variety of characters. Um, but like the two of the standouts, the de facto protagonist is Tara, but I would say like the standout character is Celeste. She's like an uh, army general who kind of uh, has an epiphany, rebels against the empire and then sort of deals with depression afterwards. Like there's a very like pivotal scene where she's like dealing with losing everything and, and sort of dealing with those emotions. And, you know, um, there's a whole opera house scene where there's like no dialogue, uh, no like voice acting or anything. And it's just conveyed through like the, the beauty of the pixel art and the music. Um, and yeah, I just think that's a very compelling character, especially for like the SNES era, which historically, you know, we didn't see narrative being that as much of a focus in a lot of those games. Uh, and then for me, Final Fantasy VII, uh, what I love about that game is it, it's a very, it's a deconstruction of tropes in a lot of ways where like the, the main character Cloud is sort of like the anime swordsman guy, but you find out that he's really just a big dork. Uh, and it's that kind of applies to like the female characters as well, where you look at like Tifa, who admittedly is overly sexualized, but when you kind of get past that, she's a very like sensitive character and, you know, she's, she can like kick your ass. So she's got all, uh, she's like a badass martial artist, but She's got a very sensitive side to her band. And then on the flip side, Aerith, who is sort of this, uh, like, sort of like, she looks like the typical, oh, damsel in distress. She's just the, the healer girl, the maid. She's like really spunky and she's got a, a lot of personality and she's not just a full damsel in distress. She's got a lot of agency to her character. She, in a lot of ways, is the person who saves the day. Like, even though she does die halfway through the story, it's not in service. It's not like, typical trope of you know dying in service of the male's character uh the male's story she actually saves the day in the end um so i think that's, that's a really interesting example um in that game and i'll just give a, a another shout out as well to god of war ragnarok i uh, you know i i had a big thing with that game about the whole fatherhood angle and uh we've talked about that um but i think the old the part of the reason that fatherhood angle works is because they have a very strong mother character to um, juxtapose Kratos. I think Freya is a fantastic, really compelling character. She sort of starts off as like a villain. Uh, well, she starts off as your friend in the 2018 game, and then she goes into a more villainous role. But there's like, because a game can afford you a lot of time to just sort of walk around with characters, right? Um, you have several hours where you're like begrudgingly working with her, and her and Kratos sort of have a heart-to-heart -heart where she you know, realizes that as a mother, you know, her, her strengths, her failings, how she failed her child, how she, um, you know, isn't defined by just being uh, a failed mother. She can move past that, you know, she can um, work together with Kratos to make the world a better place. She's his equal in a lot of ways. She actually, you know, spoilers fan of the game, she replaces uh, Atreus as the character beside you. And she's just, as, she's more powerful than Atreus in a lot of ways. So, um uh, I, I just really like that dynamic. And it's there's no, like, forced love interest angle with it either. I feel like a lot of lesser stories would have been like, oh, you know, she lo he lost his son, she lost his her son, you know, they're single now, let's put them together. But it was never about that. It was just, like, a very strong sort of platonic bond between these two people who are equals in a lot of ways. And, yeah, I thought she was a really good character. Cool. I, uh, she was a good character. I miss Atreus, though. Um, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I also love Agrabota from that uh, game as well, uh, who is also a lot of fun. Um, my first one, I guess, would be Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, um, which follows Senua, a warrior, and as she goes to Helheim to save her lover, Dylan. 
Um, I like the premise a lot because I found that I always find that like there's a lot of like that Mario always saving Princess Peach kind of a situation. Um, whereas in this game, it was the it was flipped. Um, she's trying to save her lover um and not only that she's to deal with a lot of voices in her head and it just showed how strong she was um i i i loved that game a lot actually uh another game i'd call out would be control um with jesse fading uh she's the director of i don't remember what it's called i haven't played this game in a while um but she's like the director of this whole thing and she has to figure out the mysteries and save her brother as well i believe she has to try and save her brother as well i, I just love the idea of like women saving men i don't know why um, <laughs> it's the best I, I, just, I just think it flips it i think it's like it's a lot i think it's just um it kind of flips the whole motion of that whole like men have to be the one who are macho and save the women and uh i, I i've always kind of didn't like that um so in these games where it's the opposite i really enjoy it um a game i'm currently playing right now uh it's called ender lilies quietus of nights um and it's just it starts off as this little girl and she when she jumps she kind of like when she dodges she kind of just flails it kind of just falls to the side really it's not really a dodge um but the more you progress to the game the more stronger she technically becomes and I mean, she employs spirits and stuff, so it's really cool. But I like how you can just see her evolution as to the game um, and how she's just become a, a more of a badass, uh, which I really enjoy. Uh, yeah, those are my three games I'd talk about. I mean, there are tons of games, though, that uh, either f- have very strong women characters or focus on women. Um, even Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, can you remind me her name? I don't remember her name. You know what? Um, the her, are, you, his, are you talking about Finn? Is it, That's the enemy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Even that game had a Finn who was great. Um, I also There's also, you know, Horizon Zero series as well. Um, I, I have a friend who I play games with every night. And um, she refuses to play games where there's not a woman main character um which is very fun i think because uh like for instance um like she'll have like she had to play dishonored because she wanted to play dishonored 2 which stars emily instead of corvus um and i just i I love like like i wish i had her library on hand because there are so many games that focus on women and i just feel like they don't get highlighted as much as uh, the other games out there, or the well, and to your point, uh, to her point, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because games that do give you the choice, uh, a lot of the time, the women character is the more interesting of the two. Like, um, no disrespect to male Commander Shepard, but like Jennifer Hale is the definitive Shepard for a lot of people. Like, she's just a, she gives a better performance, just straight up. And that's uh, her favorite game. The, yeah, same with that. Assassin's Creed, uh, Odyssey. Um, the developers only wanted to include a female character. It was Ubisoft who forced them to include a brother, and you could choose between one or the other. But most people agree Cassandra is the better of the two. And same thing with Cyberpunk 2077. I mean, I think the, the female V is more interesting than the male version. And a lot of the time, that I think that comes down to the performance and the writing. And it's just uh, the developers have their heart more into making that character. Because 
you kind of to, to Rose's point, you know, earlier, where games have, have such a unique ability to for storytelling and no other medium like lets you embody a, a character in that same way, right? Like even if you watch a TV show, you spend X amount of hours with the character, you don't actually get to be them, you know, in the same way that you do in a game. And so yeah, games really are like the, the best like empathy tool to just kind of put you in the shoes of a character. And yeah, that's why I like the, to your friend's point, I like whenever there's an option, I always go with the female version is it's like, I get to play as a guy every day in real life. Right. <laughs> so like, wh- why, you know, why would I not want to do something different in a game? That's part of the appeal to a game for me. So that's so true. And that's such a fascinating topic of the ability to play a different gender in a, in a game and explore mm-hmm. that. I mean, of course, it's it's not reality, but it is a good, it is like a, it's still a useful tool, as you said. And I think I often find myself playing like huge muscle bound dudes on the other side. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> I always want to be like the big barbarian. Just for changing it up. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, it's it, there's there there are a lot of options. If you if you haven't played, if you're listening to this and haven't played a game where you're the you're the protagonist and who's a woman, um, you're sorely missing out because there are a, there are a, a, first of all there's a lot and you're just missing out on some great games, but you're also missing out on that side of things as well on the taking a look on the other side and um, be more empathetic and empathetic and putting yourself in a, a woman's shoe or a femme person's shoe. Um, yeah, that is all we have for today. Um, any sh- last shout outs from either of you? Oh, I wanted to just shout out that the studio that I was talking about earlier that did Franbo and Little Misfortune is called Kill Monday. And I couldn't think of it at the time, but now I remember it. And um, yeah, shout out to uh, to all the women in games. Like, honestly, it sounds cheesy, but it just makes a real difference. Uh, I think especially when you are in a harder situation. I know that not everybody is in my situation where I have a very like women led women dominated team know that, you know, being that one woman on the team, if you are, or being one of the few is making a difference and it's appreciated. You might hear the haters more. You will hear the haters more. You might even get terrible, terrible stuff said about you online, but there are so many young girls and women who appreciate you. And also there are men who appreciate you too. It's just that the haters, you know, often sound, uh, you know, make their voice heard and they're incredibly toxic, but there is so much uh, love for what you're doing and appreciation for just even representing within the industry. And, and, you know, there's appreciation for it because there is still, it's still unfortunately, can be extremely challenging. So uh, yeah, just sending love to everybody. Also, please do note that I think on Twitter, uh, which I'm at Rose Bahar, B-E-H-A-R, I, I think my DMs are open or I'll make sure to open them. But if anybody is looking for, you know, uh, guidance or mentorship and they're new in their career, um, definitely feel free to reach out. And this applies to anybody. Uh, not just women or, uh, you know, femme people, but really anybody, because uh, I think 
it's hard to get into games. And if you are just a person who's not in that world, you deserve to have as much access to it as anybody else. But they're much like any creative industry, there's a lot of nepotism. So, and, and like, you know, soft nepotism. So it's, so, you know, I'm always down to help out and uh, give advice where I can. Thank you, Rose. That's so sweet. <laughs> uh, my shout out uh, would be to Rose. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, and Brad, a shout out. That was going to be mine too. I know. I, I, I just, just stole it right before you. <laughs> uh, I, no, I was just going to say, you know, it's great to have you on. I think that's great. It's a cool, first of all, full circle thing to have you back here, you know, having actually, you know, worked on the site, but also, you know, to the point of the, the visibility, you know, just having someone, a, you know, a woman come in and talk about working in the industry and having that, showing that it can happen. And, you know, even obviously I'm not a woman, but it's also, it's inspiring to me too, right? Because I love games and, you know, there's always a part of me that's like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, write on a game or, or something like that. So to see someone who literally came from the same site as me, you know, working uh, in games now, like that, that's inspiring, right? To, to women and everyone, right? So. I know. And I think you'd be a really wonderful game story storyteller. Um, so Thank yeah, thanks guys. I, I'm like, I'm really blushing right now. Eep. Anything you want to plug on your end in terms of uh, the work you're doing or anyone to follow or anything, closing thoughts you want to, you know, partake on us? If you do follow me on Twitter, then I will post about the game that I'm working on with my team that's coming out next month, I think. So, um, you know, if all goes well. But uh, yeah, so you'll if you follow me on social media, you'll you'll see. I'm excited. I follow you, so I can't wait to see it. <laughs> uh, and to end this off, uh, that's it. Thanks for listening to the Syrup Arcade Cast. You can find me on Twitter at the Daily Dean and my Instagram at uh, my Daily Dose. And of course, on mobilesyrup.com, where you can read about my feelings on the Diablo Four beta. Uh, Brad, where can people find you? And what uh, I'm on Twitter at Brad Shankar, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-R, uh, of course, Mobile Syrup as well. I guess by the time this goes live, I'll probably have something up on Resident Evil 4. I just beat the remake, so I, I'm trying to put together. It's a bit late now at this point, so the reviews went up and the game's out, but I'll try to put up some kind of unique angle on it. Um, so by the time this is up, you'll find out what that is. But yeah, that game's amazing, and uh, go play it. And as always, you can find uh, Brad and my content on mobilesyrup.com and on Twitter and on Instagram at Mobile Syrup. And if you go far back uh, enough, you can even find Rose's content. <laughs> <laughs> back in the crypts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.